If you've had a great crash in your life, made a big mistake, had a fall, there is a recovery for you. And I'm not talking about therapeutic kind of recovery, though there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But I want you to know there is a miraculous recovery for you, a miracle recovery for you. Now, I'm going to read out of an Old Testament story that is one of my favorites. I love this story. And it's uh, jumping into the story of Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. And he's got a school of the prophets. And this school of the prophets has outgrown itself, and they are about to embark on a building program. So everybody say there's nothing new under the sun. It's an Old Testament building program. But let me just jump into the story. Let me show you something that happened in the middle of the building program to one young prophet. 2 Kings 6, 1 to 7. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then another one of the prophets said, Please consent to go with your servants. I understand that. Elisha was a type of Christ. He was the man of the hour in this time period in Old Testament history. He was doing miracles. A lot of the miracles that he performed were very similar to Jesus. And so this prophet is going to the man of God of the hour and saying, I don't want to do a building program without you. I want you there. I understand that. And see, he said, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Uh Uh-oh. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. I love this. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Floating steel. Therefore, Elisha said to the man, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. What a story. And I want you to know it's not a made up story. It's a true historical account of what happened. God's a God of miracles. And what you have here is a miracle restoration. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. For the blessing of God on the word of God, oh, how we need your word today, Lord. Your word builds faith. Your word builds confidence. Your word builds maturity. Your word brings understanding and light. And I pray that, Lord, you will anoint your word today. I can't preach it without your touch, and we can't understand it without your touch. So, Lord, touch it today with the finger of God. Make it live in our hearts. Now breathe a prayer with me, church, and just say, Lord, I receive the word of God. Build my faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him there's a recovery. There's a recovery. You might want to tell him recovery's coming. Now, for six weeks, we've been quoting out of Matthew 7, 24 to 27, and you notice I didn't do it this time, but I'm still hovering around that particular parable that Jesus taught. Remember... He said there were two men who built a house. 
One of them built on sand, and the other one built on a foundation of rock. And a great storm blew through. And it was a storm of rain, wind, and flood. And it beat on the same two houses. I believe they were on the same block, and I believe they were in the same storm. And the storm beat on these two houses, and Jesus made it very clear that the one built on sand fell, crashed, crashed with a great crash. It collapsed. The other one withstood the storm, survived the storm, and thrived after the storm. And Jesus said, here's the difference. The one that built on rock is the one who heard these sayings of mine and put them into practice. They heard the word and they did the word. They didn't just hear it and say, that's a great message, Jesus. You really moved me. I got Holy Ghost bumps and then went home. But Jesus said they heard it and then they said, okay, now I'm going to put it into practice and I'm going to weave these teachings into the fabric of my life. And he obeyed them. But the one that built on sand heard the teaching but did not do them. That's the only difference between the two. One heard it and did it. The other one heard it and did not do it. So therefore, it made the difference in the house surviving or not in the storm. And so with that in mind, we come to this Old Testament story. And it reminds me of what Jesus taught because this man was building a house, this young prophet. He was amongst other prophets who said, hey, where we're dwelling, it's too small. We need a bigger place. We need a bigger house. And so they were dispatched, each man, to get a beam and help in the building of this house. So they were all about building a house. Now, I want you to notice that in Jesus' parable, when he said the one built on sand crashed, he did not say there's no remedy. He didn't say it crashed and that was it. It's all over for them. There's no coming back. He didn't say there's no remedy. And I want you to know today that because of the Savior we serve and the God we serve and the God of the Bible that I read about who I've walked with most of my entire life, that when there is a crash in your life and mine, we serve a God of recovery, a God of restoration, a God of healing, a God of deliverance, a God who picks us up and brushes us off and puts new life in our hearts and in our spirits and gives us a new beginning. I serve that kind of a God. Amen? David talked about that kind of God in Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And look what he says God did. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. That's recovery. And he set my feet upon a rock, going back to Jesus' teachings. And then he established my goings, meaning he made my life stable. And then he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many are going to see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So even David's testimony was, when I was in a horrible pit and I was sinking in miry clay, my God, the God of restoration, grabbed hold of me, pulled me out, set me on a rock, and gave me a new beginning. Amen. So I want to tell you today that that if you've made a mistake in life or if you've experienced a crash in your life, there is recovery. There is a recovery in God. There is a supernatural recovery. Our God is a Lord of hope. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. So if that's happening with you or has happened with you, because truth be known, I don't know everybody's name in here. I don't know all of your backgrounds. 
But I guarantee you, we have three kinds of people here. Those who have had a crash, those who are in a crash, or those who will have a crash. And when that happens, what are you going to do? How will you handle it? How do you get back on your feet, return to the right path, and experience restoration and healing after a heartbreaking crash? Can Jesus really restore you after you've really had a collapse and a breakdown? If I didn't believe the answer to that question was yes, I would never preach again. Because I want you to know, I don't, I'm not preaching religion. I'm not up here to preach some religious experience or some religious ritual. But I preach a God who restores, who can take a broken life and bring you back to life and restore you and put you back together better than you were before. And if I didn't believe that, I could never preach again. Listen, let, I mean, let me tell you something. If Noah was a drunk... And Abraham was too old, and Jacob was a liar, and Gideon was afraid, and Joseph was abused, and Moses was a murderer, and Jonah ran from God, and Lazarus was dead, and Rahab was a prostitute, and Peter denied Christ, and God still restored and used them. Come on, everybody. Praise God. If the Lord could restore David from adultery and Job from bankruptcy and Naomi from her bitterness and Martha from her worry and Elijah from his depression, he can stand you up again and breathe life into you and give you a brand new day. Absolutely. I am. Now, I read the story of Elijah and this young prophet because it really serves as a beautiful illustration. I want to talk to you about how you get restored, how you get brought back from a crash. Notice that he was building a house, just like Jesus talked about. In the middle of building the house, watch this, a crisis occurred. This young prophet was in the middle of the will of God. He was following the man of God for the hour. He was in God's building program. He was doing God's will. He was walking with the Lord. He was aspiring to be a prophet. He was seeking the things of God. His hands were totally involved in the work of God, what God wanted him and his brethren to be doing in that day. And in the middle of doing the will of God, in the purpose of God for his life, fulfilling the destiny of God for him, something happened. A crisis occurred. He lost the very thing he needed most, the axe head. At one sudden stroke, everything came to a grinding halt in his life, and a crisis arose. This man was faced with the kind of crisis Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, 24, when he said there was a crash of this house. Because this man's ministry, and this man's purpose, and this man's destiny, and this man's passion came to a screeching halt when he lost, I'm going to call it this, when he lost the cutting edge. When he lost the axe head, that axe head represented his ability to move forward, his ability to do God's will. He could not be involved in a building program without that axe head. The hope of his destiny being fulfilled came crashing down in one fell swoop when he took that last swing and all of a sudden 
off from the handle, flew the axe head, and to make things even worse, it flew right in the middle of the swollen, raging Jordan River. Flew right in the middle of it, and his heart sank, and his dreams were dashed. Now listen carefully to me. I'll draw an illustration for you today. The lost axe head represents that moment when you and I realize we've lost something crucial in our Christian walk. I'm going to call it the cutting edge. The cutting edge. It's when you're sharp spiritually. It's when you're going on with God. It's when your love for him is red hot. It's when you're in church every time the doors are open. It's when you're seeking him and praying and witnessing to everything that moved. You are on fire. You are burning with the call and the desire of God. And all of a sudden, that cutting edge, that spiritual cutting edge, you realize has grown dull. What used to be a delight for you going to church is now duty. What you used to have passion for, now you've got to make yourself do. The cutting edge is gone. The cutting edge has been dulled. It happens to all of us. If we're willing to admit it, all of us at some point in our life have come to the place where we've lost the axe head. That spiritual sharpness, that discernment, that that walk with God that is so tight, that first love. It may have happened in a season of compromise with the world. Now, please understand, I'm not judging you, and I'm not condemning you. I've been there. I've been there. I've lost the cutting edge. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. I've been there. What I am here today is I'm sort of like a spiritual physician, and and I'm just wanting to shine a little x-ray on us, and, 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 and I want to show you how spiritually, listen, it's God's will that we are spiritually sharp all the time, that we are discerning evil, that we are discerning between good and bad, that we are walking with the Lord, that we are obeying him, that we're sharp, 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 that we're cutting into what God has called us. He was bringing down trees. We're to bring down strongholds. They were bringing down trees. They were cutting down trees for the house of God, but God has called us to a spiritual building program. And we cut down strongholds. We bring down high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we bring thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We are called to be sharp, cutting instruments. But it may have happened in a season of compromise with the world. Or how about in a time of illness? And illness has prevailed in our body and we become discouraged and and, and we lose that cutting edge, the axe head grows dull. It may have occurred when we became offended. Somebody offends us and, and we haven't gotten over it and it's dulled the axe blade. And, or how about when we get, just got flat out weary and well-doing? So busy with the work of the Lord, we've forgotten the Lord of the work. The lost axe head can shut down your dreams and it can stifle your prayers and it can choke your faith because you wake up and you say, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not walking the way I used to be. I'm not as hot for God as I used to be. What's wrong with my spiritual life? What has happened to me? I'm going to tell you today and you are going to experience a miraculous recovery. A miraculous recovery. There's a miraculous recovery coming for you today. A miraculous recovery. I'm going to speak it over you. Some of you who used to be red hot and now you're as dull as you could be, I'm about to preach you back to life. The Word of God is about to bring you back. 
to this young man, please understand, things suddenly look very hopeless. How do you recover an axe head in Old Testament times from a raging Jordan River where it went right into the middle of it and sank down? You don't have scuba gear in Old Testament times. You don't have a water mask. You have no way to go down and find that axe head. It was, in the natural, irretrievably, impossibly lost. In the natural, but not impossible for God. Amen? And some of you feel like my cutting edge is irretrievably lost. I'm not where I used to be, and I don't see myself ever getting back to where I used to be. Let me tell you, what you can't do, God can do. What no human being can do, God is going to do. Because you didn't give yourself your cutting edge in the first place anyway. God gave it to you. And what God gave to you, God can bring back. Amen. So this story is all about a miraculous recovery of something that looked irretrievably lost when the right conditions were met. So what were the right conditions? This young prophet, I love this young guy. I, don't, I wish I knew his name. I'd like to meet him because I like the way he handled this. He handled his loss with wisdom. So I want you to notice what he did. Here's what he did. First, he repented of his sin. He repented. Everybody say repented. Now, repent is a beautiful word. We ought not ever get tired of hearing the word repent. You know why? It's a beautiful six-letter word because repentance makes it possible for our mistakes and our sins to be covered and relationship with God to be restored again. Thank God he has given us the gift of repentance. The Bible calls it a gift, and that's what it is because God gave us that door. If you repent and you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and to bring you back into fellowship with him and back into your calling and back into your destiny and back into the peace of God and back into the joy of the Lord. Thank God for repentance. Repentance. I noticed that this young man went straight to Elisha, again a type of Christ. He went straight to him and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Those are words of repentance. He's saying, Elisha, master, it wasn't even mine. It was was a gift to me. I was a steward over that axe. It's not mine. I took what was somebody else's and I didn't take care of it. And folks, our cutting edge, our cutting edge spiritually is not ours. We are stewards over the cutting edge that God gave us. He gave us our walk. He gave us the cutting edge. He gave us the Holy Ghost. He put us on the right path. He called us to his work. The cutting edge is from him. So just like this young man, we are stewards of the cutting edge that God has given us, the walk that he has given to us. This young man is confessing, Master, I didn't take care of it. I didn't sharpen it. I was careless, and now I've lost it. See, that's what did it. If you've ever wielded an axe, and I have because I lived in East Texas, on acreage, and I cut down trees all the time, and, and I know what it is to have a sharp axe or a dull axe, and, and you know that you've got to keep that axe sharp because if you don't, you have got to expend twice the effort for half the job. And we've all seen that cartoon where, where the cartoon character gets that big axe and he, and he swings it into the tree and it goes, whoa, 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 Right? See, that happens when the axe is dull. See, you've got to keep it sharp. That's why you and I have got to keep our spirit man sharp. Because he, he swung this axe. He did not keep the axe 
sharp. And so he's swinging it. He's, he's working. He, he's so busy with God's work that he didn't take time to keep himself sharp. So one swing, and because the axe was dull, it was impacting the handle so that that last swing, the axe head flew off that handle and into the river. Just like you and I, when we're not sharp, we fly off the handle. We fly off the handle. Our temper is just right on the edge. We don't have any patience. We don't have much love. We're always scattered and, and full of things that bug us and we're always complaining and we're always this and that because when the axe head is not sharp, then here's the way we live. It flew off. So this young man is owning it. He's saying, I didn't keep it sharp. It's my fault. He's owning his part in the loss of the axe head. He's repenting. Notice with me, he's not blaming the manufacturer of the axe. He's not playing the victim card by saying, it wasn't my fault. The owner gave me a dull axe. No, he's owning his part in the loss. Folks, let me tell you something. When a winner makes a mistake, he says, I was wrong. When a loser makes a mistake, he says, it wasn't my fault. He did it. She did it. They did it. I didn't do it. Can I tell you a real truth about life? The only way to grow up is to fess up when you mess up. That's the only way you grow up. You got to fess up when you mess up. See, we're living in a day where nobody wants to take blame for anything. Nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. But you won't ever grow up until you fess up when you mess up. When you, when you fess up and say, well, I didn't keep that axe head sharp. I'm not focused on the owner. I'm not focused on who gave it to me. I know my part, and I could have kept it sharper, and it flew off the handle, and now I've lost it, and I don't know what to do. It's affecting my entire life. He repented, and when he repented, he paved the way for a miraculous recovery. So say he repented. Now here's the next thing. I find this so intriguing. He returned. Listen to what the prophet said to him. The prophet said, where did it fall? What a question. Where did it fall? You know what this young man did? He began to retrace his steps. He said, well, okay, I really don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to the place of that loss. I don't want to go back to that place where I made a mistake. I don't want to go back to that place of pain. But you're asking me where it fell. So I'm going back. And he went right to the place And it hurt because that's where he swung that last time and lost it. That's where he took that final swing and his whole life changed. He said it was right here. And the prophet's holding his hand, type of Jesus holding his hand. And let me tell you about the dealings of God with you and me. Jesus will do the same thing with you and me. Because listen... There are times we need to go back and say, well, if I'm going to learn anything, I've got to go back to where I lost it. If I'm going to learn anything, I've got to go back to where the sharp edge became dull. If I'm going to learn anything, I've got to go back to where I got off track. 
so that I can learn so that I don't ever do it again. See, there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. An excuse is always used to justify wrong. It's always used to pass the buck. But a reason is what we look for so we can learn from our mistakes. So I go back, I go back to where I lost it so I can learn. I want to learn so that I don't ever do it again. So he went back and he said, well, it went in, it went in right here. And he retraced his steps. It's hard, folks, to go back sometimes. I've been there. I lost the cutting edge. I've, I have burned out twice in my life. That, and let me tell you about the last one. I woke up and I had no more fire. I had no more fire in my, my spirit, no more fire in my bones. And, and you say, well, that's hard for me to believe because I always know you to be fiery. Well, listen, there's a reason I'm fiery because I stoke the flame every day. But there was a time in my life where, where I woke up one day and I didn't want to preach anymore. I didn't want to pray anymore. I didn't want to go to church anymore. I didn't want to read the Bible anymore. I had, I had times lined up for me where I was supposed to go places and preach and I had no desire to do it. I just felt, are you ready? My, the blade was dull. The blade within me was dull. I just felt dull. I just felt flat. I just felt like I, there was no more spiritual passion, and, and I thrive on spiritual passion. So I'm sitting there, and I'm going, you know, this, this went on for a while, and then I finally said, God, what does matter? What is wrong? What has happened to me? You know what he said? Jeff, let's go where it fell. Well, I don't want to go back there. I'm afraid of what we might find back there. How did it fall? Where did it fall? And, and he didn't take me back to one day or one event, but he took me back to a season in my life where I was so busy with the work of the Lord and earning degrees and doing God's work. Like this young man, he was in the middle of the work of God and the will of God. He lost his cutting edge right in the prime of his life. And he took me back and said, Jeff, here, you were so busy with the work of the Lord that you got detached from the Lord of the work and your devotional life went by the wayside. Your personal time in the Bible went by the wayside. You were only in the word of God to get sermons. You were not in the word of God to feed your own soul. You were getting in the word of God so you could feed others, but you weren't feeding yourself. If you've been in this church long, you know that I have a mantra. And I am constantly telling you and exhorting you and encouraging you to be in the word of God every day. It comes from that time period in my life where he made me walk back. He said, retrace your steps. Return to where you lost it because where you lost it is where you're going to find it again. And so I said, okay, that's, that's what I did. I got out of the word of God. And he said, it's easy to get it back, Jeff, because because. The word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intents and motivations that are hidden in your heart. And that word is a resurrection word. That word brings life. He sent his word and healed them. He said, you want that cutting edge back? Just pick up that Bible again and start feeding your own soul and, and repent. And I repented and I returned and the Lord began to do a miracle in me. I didn't make excuses. I found the reason and I fixed the reason and I returned. Now, I want to give this young prophet kudos for this one thing. He refused to settle for anything less than the cutting edge he lost. 
Don't you know that he could have said, oh well, it's lost. I'll let the rest of the guys do the job and I'll move in when they're done. But he didn't. He said, no, I've lost something valuable. I've lost something invaluable. I want that axe head back. I am not going to settle for anything but that axe head. And folks, let me tell you, I've seen people and I've seen churches lose the axe head, the anointing, the cutting edge, the touch of God, the favor of God. And they try to substitute it with something their own flesh comes up with. But there comes a time when you've got to say, there is no substitute for answered prayer. There's no substitute for people getting saved. There's no substitute for liberty in worship. There's no substitute for a fired up, stoked up congregation full of the Holy Ghost and fire. There is no substitute for the anointing that breaks the yoke. There's no substitute for the uncompromised word of God. There is no substitute for red hot, God sent, Jesus exalting, devil stomping revival. There is no substitute. There comes a time when you got to say, I'm not going to settle for anything that, but that axe head, that cutting edge that I lost. I admire his insistence on recovering the real thing and for refusing to settle for a sorry substitute. And I want you to look at what happens at the very place he lost it, at the very place of his greatest pain, at the very place of his greatest regret. Look what happened. Here he is. He's standing at the river's edge. Here's the prophet. And he goes, it went in there. He didn't know what was about to happen. He just said, it went in there. And Elisha cut a stick. The Bible says he cut off a stick and threw it in the water and he made the iron float. Now, Let me tell you about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of types and shadows of what was to come. They say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Meaning the Old Testament is pointing towards the New Testament, Testament, the coming of the Messiah. Every page of the Old Testament preaches of the Jesus that is to come. And Psalms 22 even prophesies how he'll die. They have pierced my hands and my feet. That's in Psalms 22, centuries before Jesus even came or the cross was even invented. David saw by the Spirit of God, Messiah being pierced in his hands and his feet. And I believe that this stick, I'm sorry, but this is what I see. This stick is a picture of the cross. It's wood. It's a picture of the cross. He cuts a stick and he throws it into the water. So let me put it this way. We could say he applied the cross to where the axe head was lost. Come on, everybody. He applied the cross where the axe head was lost. There is healing in the cross. There is deliverance in the cross. There is forgiveness in the cross. There is power in the cross. The Holy Spirit comes from what Jesus did on the cross. So he applied the cross to where the axe head was lost. And as soon as that stick hit the water, as soon as you go to the cross and receive forgiveness and deliverance and power to recover, look what happened. The lost axe head, the thing most needed for him to move forward in in life, 
and in God's calling on his life, floated to the top against all natural law. This was a totally supernatural recovery. Iron doesn't float. I'm sorry, steel doesn't float. If you have steel that floats, I want to meet you after church. Steel sinks and it stays down. But God's hand went down into that water. God's hand went underneath that axe head. And God's hand picked it up and it looked like jaws coming towards him. It came right up out of the water and started coming toward. Don't you know this young prophet was freaking out? Because what he thought was irrecoverably lost was now miraculously found. Amen. And, 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 and look, look at what the prophet said to him. He said, now I want you to reach out and I want you to pick it up. Everybody say, pick it up. Yeah. Let's say it again. Pick it up. Yeah. See, and look who he said, do it for. He said, pick it up for yourself. Pick it up for yourself. He said, see, God can bring back before your eyes what you have lost. But then he says, okay, I brought it to you, but now you've got to do your part, and I want you to reach out by faith, and I want you to grab hold of what you've lost. I want you to grab hold of the new day. I want you to grab hold of the new relationship. I want you to grab hold of the walk you once had. I want you to grab hold of the anointing you once moved in. I want you to grab hold of the calling you once pursued. I want you to grab hold of the new beginning I have brought right before your face. I want you to reach out, and I want you to pick it up, for yourself. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for you. And this young prophet reached down, and don't you know, with trembling hand, he picked up that axe head knowing that he had experienced a supernatural recovery. Back to Jesus' words. If you built your house on sand and it has crashed, Jesus never said there's no remedy after that. But what do you do? You return and you go, what did I do wrong? Well, here's what I did wrong. I heard, but I didn't do. So I'm just going to start not only hearing the word of God, but doing it and living it. And I'm going to rebuild this time on rock. Amen? So everybody say repent, return, recover. Can we stand together today? I don't know how many of you needed this. I think most of you did. Most of you did. These Old Testament stories and miracles, Paul said, were written for our learning so that we would not do the same things or we would do the same things, whether they were bad or good. And right now, I'm going to pray for recovery in your life. Now, let me tell you something. When God brings recovery, it may not be the same person. It may not be the same place. It may not be the same job. It may not be the same house. But it will be the same calling, the same destiny, the same purpose. Because the gifts and callings of God cannot be repented of. So let's lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today. Lord, I thank you for this incredible account of this young man and his insistence on recovering what he lost, the cutting edge. Lord, we're frail. We so easily 
make bad decisions. We so easily get in the flesh. Lord, we so easily drift. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And that's why you had to lay the iniquity of all of us on Jesus. Because of our frailty, Lord, we do experience crashes, collapses, mistakes and consequences and discouragement from our own foolish decisions. Lord, thank you for this word of hope today. That there is miraculous recovery in God. Now, if you're here today and you can say, Jeff, I'm in the middle of a crash. Or I'm just coming through a crash. And I need recovery. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. All over this building. Everywhere. I need recovery. I need recovery. I see you. God bless you. You know, I want to do something. I I, I don't mean to put you out, but I I just got to do this. I want you to come down to the front. Let me pray. I sense there's an anointing in this altar, and I want you to come right now because I'm going to pray for you, and there's going to come a touch from God on you in this altar. I want you to come now. Say, I'm in, a, I'm in a crash or I'm just going, coming out of one and I need that axe head. I need the axe head recovered. I need it to come floating my way. I need God to bring it back. I need my cutting edge back. From all over the congregation. I so understand, and I'm not condemning you in the least bit. Come on, there's hardly room for everybody. Listen, God's a restorer. I could preach till I'm blue. I just want you to know I'm pouring out my guts to you today. God is a restorer. He recovers. He brings recovery. The axe head will float against all natural law. It will float. God will do what you couldn't do. God will do what no human can do. God will bring back what in the natural was indeed irretrievably lost, but it's not lost in Him. Let's get our hands up in the air, everybody, in this altar. Lord, in Jesus' name. We come to the great God of miracles, the God who makes the axe head float, who brings back the cutting edge against all odds and against all natural law. And and Lord, we just look to you to bring that cutting edge back. Lord, you know every life in this altar. You know what they've done. You know where they've gone. You know what caused this. You You know where it fell. You know where it fell. You know where it fell. And Lord, right now we give to you where it fell and how it fell. We give it to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we repent. We ask you to forgive us for not keeping it sharp for the part that we played in the loss of it. And Lord, having done that, we return to the place and we ask you, Lord, right now, apply the cross to where it was lost. Apply the cross to where it was lost. 
Now I want all of you to picture that cross and I want you to know that love comes from that cross, forgiveness from that cross, power from that cross, restoration from that cross, deliverance from that cross, healing from that cross. And I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I give you where it fell. I give it to you there in the river of impossibility. But I believe you can bring it back. So Lord, I'm asking you to bring the axe head to the surface of the river and bring it back to me today. In the mighty name of Jesus, bring it back to me today. Bring it back to me today. Bring it back to me today. Now, with the eye of faith, I want you to see it coming up out of the water and it's coming towards you right now. It's coming towards you right now. It is not lost for good. It is yours. Now I want you to reach out and take it. I want you to reach out and grab it. I want you to pick it up for yourself. Say, Lord, I'm not hopeless. There is hope for me. I pick it up right now in the name of Jesus. I pick it up right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, something is happening in this altar right now. Something is happening in this altar right now. In the mighty name of the Lamb of God, if you sense a breakthrough, lift your hand up in the air and begin to give God a wave offering right now. If you sense a breakthrough, give Him a wave offering right now. In Jesus' name, give Him a wave offering right now. Say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. moving right now. I'm just going to let him move. He's moving in this altar. Thank you, Lord. He's moving in this altar. He's restoring dashed hope. He's restoring shattered faith. He's restoring broken dreams. Some of you are daring to believe again. Daring to believe again. I want you to believe again. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now let's lift our hands to the Savior and just say, I receive it today, Lord. I'm going to act on this word. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pick it up. And walk in that cutting edge again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give me my hand to praise right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 And some of you, here's what some of you are saying. I don't feel nothing. Now listen, it has nothing to do with feelings. That young man didn't feel a thing until he saw that axe head floating his way. And then he went, whoa, glory. So if you don't feel anything, it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes nothing is the greatest sign that something is going on. But I want you, when you resolve when you get home. I'm not going to act anymore like somebody who's lost the axe head. I'm picking it up. 
I'm picking it up. I'm just going to pick it up. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen.